Let's party. Party. And uh, the universe is trying to tell Brad to be quiet. But he's not listening. The universe has been doing that for a while. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. I am John, and it is another beautiful day here in Corpus Christi. And so I get to share this time with some good friends of mine, good friends of ours. Wade is here with us. Wade, how are you doing this morning, brother? I am amazing. You feel amazing or you are amazing? Uh, a little of both. Yeah. A little of both. Okay, very good. Yeah. Don't overdo it, but a little bit of both I'm is okay. I'm off today, so this is the only work I'm doing, if, if, if this is really considered work uh yeah put that on your uh comfort your your packet you know your reports and everything and let the ds tell you how much work this really is for the glory of god and the kingdom 40 something podcast was on my continuing education report this year (laughs) (laughs) hey what yeah we're what we're 48 or 49 i can't remember which one one of those two we're getting close to 50 that's got to mean something to the bishop Uh right Um, Um, probably not probably not yeah Uh, well, maybe since if we tell, make sure to remind uh, Bishop that Brad does this with us, maybe that'll count for more. Brad is here. Brad, Brad, how are you this morning? I'm good, man. I am good. It is good to be here. I I have missed for, I don't know. I think last episode I was in was like 12 or something. I don't know. It feels like a long time. Yeah. It's been a few hours. Yeah. That recent. (laughs) Well, you know, we were kind of hit and miss, and we're kind of getting our, our bearings together again. Brad, and how did you get this link? <laughs> it's on the dark web. Don't say anything. It's on the dark web. Yeah. <laughs> the dark web. Yeah. I hang out on the dark perfect. web a lot. Uh, and now, now, if Bishop Schnazy doesn't think Wade is enough for me to be able to count this as anything uh, informational or edifying, and if adding Brad doesn't help, but then surely adding Tina Carter to the mix will have to account for something. Tina is here with us this week. It's been a while, Tina. How have you been and how are you today? Life has been good here. We are getting back down out of stage five in Austin finally. So yeah, we're starting to see the upside of life. What does that feel like? Um. There was a rally yesterday at the state capitol from two to four, a rally for kindness, kind of to offset the anti-Semitic attacks that have been going on in Austin. And it was fairly well attended. And so it's nice to get some of those events. It was outside, of course, but it's nice to be able to do some of that again. Who put that together? Um, uh, it was a combined group that uh, Austin Anti-Defamation League was involved, and then a bunch of friends from Congregation Beth Israel did a lot of organizing to make it happen. Very good. Well, praise God. Yeah, I feel like uh, here in Corpus, kind of the same thing, right? We're kind of seeing more of that, and uh, my son went to a, a concert a few weeks ago and at the American Bank Center, and he's like, well, we were all inside, and um, I was the only one with the masks. I was, you know, the things are, things are changing, right? We're all kind of more feeling like that, whether it's uh, too soon or not. I've always been here at the church. I always wanted to be on the 
further in, like I'm, I'll be willing to say I took too long to get back into to the groove and jumped in too early. And so that's kind of how we take it here at the church. But uh, anyway, but you're right. Yeah. Things are kind of open up a little bit. It feels good. Um, feels okay. Uh, I have a, I have a birthday. I celebrate this week, guys. I will be Yay. 44, which wow. I am, I am happy to announce. Doesn't bother me at all. And so I came across this, uh, I had never heard of this before. I don't know if, do you know the birthday effect? okay so the birthday effect this is a real thing <clears throat> you are more likely to die on your birthday than any other day of the year oh wow I don't wow. Know. you got a few more months, months wade uh, 11 11 months. Months. Yeah, uh -huh. brad how much time you got left not enough <laughs> uh, about six months i think uh five months yeah okay so this morbid fact comes after research looked at 2.5 million deaths in switzerland now you might think oh this is switzerland but uh there's research out of canada and england that seems to confirm this phenomenon as well Mm. Uh, scientists analyzed the data from two and a half million deaths in Switzerland between the years of 1969 and 2008. So it's a little dated, but it still speaks the truth. Research has discovered that you're at an increased risk of suicide, heart attacks, strokes, and falls on your birthday, making it statistically the deadliest day of the year. I think for most of my birthdays, falls would have been the issue. That would have been the one? Yeah. <laughs> there was a time. It's time for confession now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said most of the birthdays, right, Brad. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, birthdays end lethally more frequently than might be expected. Uh, determined that over 60s were some 14% more likely to die on their actual birthday with a 44% jump and fall deaths on this Friday. There you go, Wade. Uh, I just turned 60. You better be careful. Yeah. Watch out, man. <laughs> watch out. Do you got a Roomba walking around or the dog? Yeah, watch out for Roomba, the... But I think I'm going to get a walker. Okay. And, you know, don't... What is it? The old <laughs> yeah. joke. Don't trip over your cordless phone, right? Don't you want right. to do that. Uh, let's see. Stroke I risk. Cord. See that cord back there? I see, I see. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to like jump over it, you know, yeah. thinking you're 59 again, you know. Limbo, <laughs> go under it, man. Yeah, that's it. right. Go under it. That'll be a whole nother issue you have, right? <laughs> I'll bet that didn't even make the survey, did it? No, it did not. <laughs> Limbo <laughs> accidents. <laughs> Happy birthday, man. <laughs> Oh, he was, lived a good life was, until he limboed. <laughs> limbo. That's how low he went, man. Ah. <laughs> limbo Brad, Brad, very good. are notoriously underreported. So, <laughs> that's exactly right. so no it says, pun intended. there's no pun. That's right. Uh, stroke risks are heightened on birthdays, especially in those with high blood pressure. So talking of this discovery, psychologist Richard Wiseman uh, told... Uh, reporters, it seems to be a valid finding. There are two camps. One is the camp that suggests you eat too much and you're getting on a bit that causes you to die. Mm. So you already have heart problems. You've already got other issues and it's your birthday. And so you don't just eat the one slice of cake. You take the whole cake, right? Or you go to Chili's in the afternoon and you go to the steakhouse in the evening and it just, it does you in, right? Um, the other camp says that it's a placebo effect. 
you are knife edged on death and you keep and you kept yourself going until your birthday. You think that's it. I've had enough. I'm out of here. That there is an increase in deaths after holidays, like after Thanksgiving, after Christmas, because people do push through to see the people they love. Mm. So holding on, uh, not so much for birthday, but, uh, um, you know, these holidays where you'll be together, have that time together, and then just muddle through that as best you can for the sake of doing it and then just being done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that begs the question, what, what would you, what would you guys hold on? I mean, what's the thing that you would hold on to the most? I'm, I'm an Arbor Day guy. <laughs> <laughs> Flag day. <laughs> Just get me through, you know, President's Day. Uh, so I get that. Day, by the way, is I don't know, man. But if you get me through President's Day, I can get a good deal on a mattress. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I have something to share. Uh, my daughter and I, my youngest daughter, we share a birthday on Wednesday, and uh, I'll make sure to warn her as well. Of course, she's not in that um, '60s crowd. Um, I and I do recall like certain i don't know how many but a few celebrities few famous people who've died on their birthday uh, i think shakespeare is said to have died on his birthday and uh, uh what's the singer um old guy haggard merle haggard merle haggard i think he died on his birthday so mm-hmm. anyway so if i stay at home all day you know why if you don't see me on wednesday then you know what you know what's going on so that's right? the answer to the question what do merle haggard and what shakespeare have in common <laughs> died on their birthday <laughs> watch out jeopardy we're ready for you we are ready for jeopardy all right so uh what'd you guys learn in church yesterday or what did you experience in church yesterday we had we had a lot of people really yeah, we had a lot of people last week, I think, because of uh, um, we, it was all saints. And so we had families that came. Um, but this week, um, I just had some people who came back this week. Um, just a handful that we hadn't seen in a while. Great. Uh, and we uh, we celebrated pumpkin patch workers afterwards and had barbecue. So that probably didn't hurt either. Bro, I would have been there to celebrate with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you were missed. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> what about Brad, Tina? What'd you learn? What'd you experience in church yesterday? What do you think, Tina? Well, ironically, I'm one of the people that's still worshiping online. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because okay. we're stage four household and um we just don't know the vaccination status. And there are a bunch of kids in our congregation. So we think that by December, the kids will have been vaccinated and will probably be okay to go back, but we still are worshiping online. So um, I attend two services on Sundays online. One is um, Northern Hills in Honda, which I had never been able to attend because it's too far away. Sure. So I worship at nine with them and then at 1030 with Berkeley. Um, We at Berkeley, what we're noticing is that our stewardship campaign is going better than it has gone in previous years. Um, We're seeing more people engaged in small groups. Oh, that's great. Um, even, Even though the worship numbers in the room 
uh, are not what they were pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. All right. our, worship, our worship numbers yesterday were uh, back up to where they were prior to the pandemic. Oh wow! Um, yeah, we had we had full house and two services, and it was it was really spectacular. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you could hear people singing. You could hear people praying. Uh, we're still spaced out. We're still you know doing our our uh, social distancing and stuff. And yes, we're still spaced out that way too. Um, but <laughs> thank you, um, thank you. And, yeah, and um, uh, about half our congregation is still masked, which is good. Um, and, and the other half is not, and they feel, they're feeling comfortable about that. Um, I, I don't have a, a, a real accurate percentage of how many people have been vaccinated, but, um, I would, I would assume that we we're, we're a pretty high percentage right now. So, and, uh, but it, it was a good service. Both, well, both services were good. We're, we're back to two services again, which is good. So, um, no, it was, it was good. The spirit was in the house. We were singing, we were praying. Amen to that. We're getting to know each other again, which is a good thing. So Praise God. Yeah. My attendance was a little light. Uh, I asked our church if we could send a group over there at St. Paul. They were celebrating their 127th uh, anniversary, I think. And so I think we sent about nine or 10 people. Uh, over there. They, they started at 11. We started at 1045. And so it was a little light, but I was okay with that. I said, what kind of preacher tells his church to go to other churches? That's, that's the kind of preacher. Whatever kind of preacher that is, that's just what I am. So, uh, but I've told him to stay away from Wade. Um, but other than that, you know, go. <laughs> I bunched people yesterday. I'm sure you did. Actually. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I didn't even. They weren't even there for the barbecue. We do that Methodist mingle right in the towns, yeah. right? That's mm-hmm. it. So anyway, all right. So I sent the guys uh, a an article uh, from Carrie Newhoff for us to kind of talk about and hopefully springboard us in some important conversation. You know, you guys talk about um, brought up you know um, worship attendance in church and you know kind of things being what they were before and you know kind of where we are now. I think part of the reality as churches is understanding that whatever we were before, if we feel like we're getting back to what we were before, we're still not what we were before. Like we've gone through a change together Mm -hmm. as a church, as a people, as a culture, society. And so uh, the church doesn't escape that. And so we got to figure that out. So I'm gonna give the title of the article and then we'll kind of run through this. And I want these, um, these insightful people to offer us some good commentary about to help us think uh, about what's important for us as the church as we begin to regather and, and what it means for us as uh, as the church to form and what is our identity as we form and our purpose and what we should be doing, all those kinds of things. And so the title of the article is Why They're Not Coming Back to Church and What to Do with Who's Left. Um, the uh, Carrie Newhoff says, as churches reopened in a slow regional checkered board pattern across the U.S. and eventually around the world, the great return didn't happen. That is, we were expecting everyone to return to our churches at different um, points during the pandemic based on what was happening in different areas. But by and large, uh, besides Brad's church, who went back to the B.C. numbers. Good for you, Brad. Um, hey, this is only this is one week, man. One week. Okay. Very good. One week that we've had that. It's like, whoa, you know? Yeah. And so by and large, the great return isn't happening. 
uh, mm-hmm. in our in our churches. And he offers a few reasons as to why. So I'm just going to give those reasons to you and then let you jump whichever one you want. He gives three, two seem like more reasons. Three seems like a, just a sort of indicator uh, of what's happening. One, he says, <clears throat> uh, oh, where am I at? Oh, here it is. That COVID accelerated the paths of attenders, members, and engagers, right? Uh, post-Christian culture is quickly accelerating further growth of the nuns and the duns. And then the third thing he says is shifting logic always, almost always suggests something else is going on. To me, that's not uh, a reason. That's more of a kind of just an observation. You know, when people keep putting you off and they use different reasons to put you off, whether it's church or anything else, there's, mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. All right. So you read the article, um, good people, and you heard those two reasons. So what's your, what's your uh, first response to why people aren't coming back? Why the great return isn't happening? I remember in the early days of the pandemic, pretty, pretty early on, I don't know if I was talking to you guys or talking to other colleagues, but we really early on began to talk about the fact that this was accelerating what was already going on. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I think my answer to the question, um, why people aren't coming back is, um, a couple of anecdotal things that I've experienced with people coming back, um, particularly the last few weeks. And uh, I've had I've had some first time visitors, but I've also had some people who haven't been with us since the very beginning of the pandemic and they showed back up. And in every single case, it was because um, they needed some community and, and connection. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and so so that's why I uh, there was a couple of families that I didn't think we'd see again, and they both showed up this week and they both had some not cataclysmic, but they needed some connection with community for a variety of reasons. And so I just, I wonder, um, so on the flip side of that, I, I kind of think that um, if we're going to, you know, he, he talks about embracing the church that, that you have. Um, I think we're, I think we really, we've always talked about, you know, being a community and, and connecting um, on a personal level. And I think um, a lot of people aren't coming back because perhaps they don't feel that connection or um, or they feel like they found it somewhere else or they feel like they don't need it. One of the the things that's been interesting to me is that when I was going through the scorched earth chemo, the really bad, like don't be around anybody chemo, Mm -hmm. um, that was about five years ago. uh, And I had virtually no online worship options. I mean, I watched Church of the Resurrection, but there was no way to really engage with that worship viewing. And now I, after this um, post-COVID, I feel like and I have talked to some of my cancer buddies and it's like oh we are no longer isolated at home we're just like everybody else at home and we're able to engage in worship in our local communities in ways 
I mean, there's chats on, on YouTube, there's interactions if you're on Facebook. Um, we are actually able to be visible and known and seen, whereas before that would have been impossible. And so for some of the people who are experiencing either temporary or ongoing disability, this is a new and perhaps inclusive atmosphere at this point. Whereas before um, as, it was the big churches that can only do that before. Now everybody can has access, right? Now it's your neighbor yeah. who, who you can say hi to in the chat. Um, and so that's one of the, I mean, I know this article focused on who's not coming back in person. And it made me think about the people who are able to engage online in meaningful ways that were unavailable to them pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, I guess um, I'm following everybody's, and I guess I led off with this urge to not talk about who's not here um, and, and talk about who um, who is here. What I, I you know, especially early when we started worshiping in person here, which has been, uh, I guess we started about a year ago with a limited and we went to our old schedule in August. Um, but, you know, this podcast, um, my intern uh, who was with me, we were doing something every week online in addition to, um, you know, what we normally did. And uh, um, I, I think, you know, some of the things that we're doing outside of a church service, uh, you know, I've done a couple of studies that were almost completely Zoom, um, and I've got a hybrid one going now, and uh, I think, you know, I think probably, I'm guessing that church practitioners are um, learning that, um, you know, reaching people with technology uh, isn't as, um, intimidating as it used to be um because we didn't have to do it um, mm -hmm. and now that we have to do it we've done it for a while and it's um, you know it's less intimidating and uh the, the, we have more access to the tools we need and to the knowledge we need to make use yeah, of yeah and I, and I don't even think it's more access i think it's realized access i think we've had it all along right exactly yeah um, we just didn't um I, you know, I, we would talk about it and, and you, when you went to conferences, they would pump it up, but, um, you know, we didn't have to do it. Um, I, think I, I say we didn't think we had to do it. Let's put it that way. Um, and now, you know, we're reaching other people. I mean, and our online audience overall, the, the measurable audience has dwindled quite a bit. Right. from the early days of pandemic i mean we were getting we were getting outrageous numbers at the beginning um that were you know sh they were dwarfing what our normal attendance was and they sure. you know and a lot of those people were um you know and, and that i know about were my family <laughs> and and friends that are scattered around sure um former you know some of my former churches you can you can go to two or three services now and so they would show up every now and then um, and so, um, it became in, in order to stay in touch with the people that we thought we still had, um, 
we had to do different things. And so, um, uh, you know, I think it's been more of an awakening for practitioners uh, about what's possible um, than it has been sort of a, a dawn of new technology. It's old technology. It's been around for yeah. forever. We just haven't availed ourselves of it. Well, Man, I think you said other, it. The I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brad. The other thing it's been a uh, that has changed during this time is the accessibility by cost of doing this stuff. For forever, it used to be you had to have a full blown TV camera crew and, and, and a TV station in order to broadcast this kind of stuff on the internet or anywhere. And, um, and nowadays, you get a you know your iPhone, yeah, you know, stick your iPhone on a tripod. Uh, Android, and, thank you. Whatever, I, I'm an Android dude too, but well, you, know, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, that's different that's, levels that's, of technology. Yeah, no, you know, <laughs> you know, I just haven't crossed over the dark side. Um, but I think there's, uh, you know, the, the accessibility of technology has made it even that much more. Now, anybody and everybody can be a podcaster. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that that is such a, it's the new norm uh, of communication these days. Uh, I'm like you, Wade. I had a, uh, I used to have a brown bag Bible study we used to have on Wednesdays and just bring a sack lunch, do a dashboard, you know, drive through dashboard, whatever it was, and and bring lunch and a Bible. We're going to have an informal Bible study. Well, you know, when the pandemic hit, all that stopped cold. And I had people asking, when are you going to do something online? And I'm, I, I, I'm um, okay and fumble my way through it. And now I'm a year and a half into, you know, two thirds of the New Testament, doing a book at a time, a chapter a week, and, uh, and, and we're getting ready to do something a little bit different, but not really, we're going to be looking at, um, you know, the Old Testament prophets for the season of Advent, you know, and I do that on Tuesday nights. And I've got 25 people signed up to do that every week. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're hungry for it. People are hungry for that not just to be a spectator, but to actually be interacting, you know, and, and so we're doing it on zoom and uh, you know, that kind of stuff is, 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 is something that is, I, I don't want to say, I think it's a crossover between being in person in a facility and, and being just a spectator, you know, you, you get to interact, but you're still safe at home. You're still feeling comfortable with that, but you're actually, conversing with one another and asking questions and studying and reading and listening and learning worship is going to become i think when we start thinking about um you know house churches becoming a new norm through podcasting through zoom meetings and such that people are going to have that experience as well um so yeah a hybrid type ministry and i think that's a a neat thing um i i'm sitting here thinking about his first point where, where COVID accelerated uh, or even accentuated. I, I think it, it more than accelerated, it accentuated the, the paths that people were already on either exactly. leaving or coming back more. Um, and so it, it made us much more aware of, of our need for community or, you know, really we don't have a need for this. We've got to prioritize. This is not one of those things that's high on our priority and people are leaving. And, were they already on their way out maybe, but, you know, I, I think, I think COVID did accelerate, but it certainly accentuated um, our behaviors. It was early on in one of our conversations. We talked about that, how one of the things we learned is that the connection that we thought we had was very 
uh, very shallow tenuous and, at best yeah yeah and so we were we were we were holding on to something we thought was great and all the mm-hmm. pandemic this was show us that yeah, no it really wasn't no. and yeah. kind of both to both of your points you know kind of what frustrates me sometimes if i let it is um, uh, exactly what you said in a good way mm-hmm. that the access that was there before we took hold of it and now anybody can use it but it wasn't until we needed it right right right, right. right. Well, before I mean, yes, but I, but I but I think it, what, the we being the entire church. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had you know people tell me, oh, okay, technology that's great, you know, whatever. But you know, no big deal. But now that we need it and I need to be there, then yet by all means, here's money for it. What, what do you need, right? And that yeah. that drives me nuts. I actually think that's part of some of the the other issues in, in the article that I talk about right. uh, is that you know w- what do we use these things for and how important are they? Um, in the in the in the scheme of you know what we do as a church whether they're for us me or not for someone else right maybe they're for someone else and how important do we make that be so one of the uh, things that is amazing i think and and he touched on it in the article but i is that the way we are engaging people in the church is morphing Mm-hmm. And we are able to engage at a deeper level with people who are super, super busy because they don't, to attend an hour Bible study, they no longer need to invest two and a half hours of time. Sure. Right. They can invest an hour of time. Mm-hmm. And, and that has prevented some people from engaging because they have an hour and they want to participate but they don't have two and a half hours. Right. And so at, at the church, at the churches where we're participating, we're actually seeing an increase in the number who are engaging in some form of small group mm-hmm. because they don't have to find a babysitter and get in the car again after a day of being in the car and drive and it's it's changed how we're engaging too i think Mm -hmm. one one of the things that uh, i wish maybe just wasn't the purpose of what he wanted to do but you know we could talk about other reasons why people aren't coming back Uh, again pandemic influenced it but um you know i mean we could talk about the church's witness over the last few years you know people just kind of tired of that um i've heard plenty of stories where you know, pastors have been hurt through this, but the way their congregations have engaged in the conversation of, you know, mass or not. But I've also heard how pastors have sort of dished out a little bit of pain as well. And so maybe, maybe feel like I, I don't, I don't need that in my life, right? If that's what your church is going to be, I don't need to be there. So there's a lot of different reasons why um, people wouldn't come back. Probably some of the same reasons why they wouldn't come back before. It's just now it's, it's hard for us to ignore because, um, again, it's one of those for me, I take it as one of those kind of, uh, because we see it now and because it matters more to us. Now we pay attention to it more. So, was, so he goes on, I'm sorry, go ahead, Brad. I was just going to say, you know, along those lines, cause we had an episode about this a while back on pastors and, and exhaustion during this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was struck by a comment from Bishop Schnazy's, uh, video on Saturday at our district conference. Um, and, and it was about a fellow who, who he had talked to, a pastor he had talked to. He said, I'm tired of being resilient. Mm-hmm. 
And that, I used that in my sermon yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I'm thinking, man, that that is spot on for so many people, not just pastors, but, you know, what he calls our engagers, you know, the people who are engaged in ministry more than just attending and more than just being a member, they're actually involved in every, they're the ones that are there when the doors are open, whether they're open or not. And, you know, those folks are coming at me and saying, I'm tired. I'm just tired of having to be on and on stage or on, I'm, I'm tired of having to be resilient. This is getting exhausting. And I had a conversation with a congregation member yesterday that um, after having heard Bishop Snazy say that the other day, it made mm -hmm. me think uh, of this. And it was before our early, you know, more traditional service. And she called me over to where she was sitting and she goes, when are we going to be able to not wear masks in, um, in this room? And she wasn't like challenging no, right. the idea of masks. She was just doggone tired of it. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I, I said, I know how you feel and you know what my answer is, right? And she goes, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I did. And, yeah. and, and I, you know, sort of, you know, when we talk about that, I think we've all talked about it this way throughout this, these two years, I say, you know, the biggest reason for doing that right now for me, um, isn't trying to figure out whether vaccines work or not. Because I think most of our folks are vaccinated, but uh, but just to make sure that there's nobody in the room that feels uncomfortable because we're not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. And she goes, "Well, I'm comfortable not wearing a mask." And I'm like, "Yeah, but there may be somebody sitting close to you who that makes them really uncomfortable, and they leave." And and we can talk about the merits of that, but that's that's really the guiding principle right now. And she, yeah, you know, she wasn't. She was just sick of it, yeah. um, tired of it all. And that's what I was hearing. It wasn't like you're you've made a bad decision or anything like that. No, it's a, it's an exhaustion. It's a mental and emotional and spiritual exhaustion of, yeah. of, of this, uh, of the, the, the plague of the pandemic, you know, I mean, I, I, not just the disease itself, it's just all of the, the weight of a global pandemic has fallen upon everybody's shoulders. And I think we're all exhausted by that. Yeah. One of the, um, the president of Houston Tillotson is an incredible woman, and she um, was speaking um, maybe early in the pandemic. And she said, you know, people keep saying it was after the winter storms mm. and mm -hmm. they were hit. Um, and she said, people keep commending our resilience and we are resilient we are and at some point i'm going to have to wonder when commending our resilience is really just abuse oh wow <laughs> and you know it made me yeah. think about um how tired uh the african-american community has been for so long and how hard people have had to work for things like racial justice and and how now other people who haven't been faced with that kind of exhaustion are being exposed to it mm -hmm. um yeah and, and yeah. seeing how they're dealing with that pain that other people have been dealing with in other forms for, right. for and a it's long time not, it's not meant to be a trite statement but welcome to my world you know i mean yeah. it's 
it, and it's not meant to be, you know, ugly. It's just, yeah, welcome to my world. And this is- well, and, and as exhausted as we are, it feels like um, yeah. that particularly, not exclusively, but particularly during this almost two years, issues of, of race and inequality have just been magnified mm -hmm. uh, by, you know, a number of different things. <laughs> and, and, and I think just people scrambling for the fringes of, of what's appropriate, um, sort of sociologically. Um, I, you know, I can't imagine if you've been somebody who has felt marginalized because of, well, because of race, um, for so, so very long um, that in the middle of this pandemic, it feels like to me, and I don't know if, every, if it feels like that to everybody, but it feels like to me that that, that thing has been ratcheted up probably along with everything else. But, um, but it, you know, it, I don't think it makes anybody feel better that um, the rest of us are exhausted in the same way they were, because I think they're more exhausted in the ways Absolutely. that they've always been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the truth is that it's not just the pandemic that people are reacting to. It's also the issue of race being elevated again and watching what is the church doing about that. It's not just the pandemic that, that the nuns and duns are reacting to. It's also folks watching how churches are navigating some of the justice issues and people of good conscience may be frustrated by some of that. You, you kind of see the true colors. And once we see that, you're like, well, wait a minute, if that's what this is going to be about, then, you know, um, you know, I, I don't know if I should say it or not. I just saw the video this morning, John Hagee's church. Did you see that oh, video? Wow. Mm -mm. uh where yeah. in some i don't know if it was i don't know what worship setting it was but there they're got a crowd full of uh, people in the pews and being led by people in the pulpit of the chant let's go brandon oh right in worship right so uh now all of this has to do with everything we're talking about because we like to sort of kind of blame people for not coming back to church. You know, you just need to get your life together and you just, okay, well, maybe the church needs to get its life together as well. Right. And we can't expect people to be um, who we think they need to be. If the church is being who Jesus has called us to be. Mm -hmm. I think the church is being, um, I, I hesitate to use the word exposed, but I think, I think the vulnerabilities and the leadership of our church and our, and our attention focuses foci uh, 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 on the world and on its ministry and mission to the world have been thrown into the spotlight here sure. in, a, in a very bizarre new difficult way and i think we're there there's a lot of responses to that and and depending upon the church uh some churches are denying it you know no we're not doing anything wrong you just need to get with the program like you just said Others are saying, oh, my gosh, have we been doing this all along? And still others are going, wait a minute, that's them, not us. And others are saying, um, what, what do we do now? You know, and, and I think there's a lot of confusion about all of that and how the church is reacting to this. And I think your, your nuns and your duns 
and, and we need to probably, you know, explain the nun as as N O N E, not N U N. But 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 the nuns and the duns are 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 saying, I have no time for that. I have no interest in that. The duns are saying, I'm so finished with this. I, I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore because it doesn't speak to the reality that I understand. It doesn't speak to my it, it doesn't speak to my understanding of who God is and who God is calling us to be. And the church is, is dealing with this on multiple levels. And of course, it's not just the church, it's society as a whole church. as to yeah. what's really important, what's not important, what, what threatens us and what um, challenges us, you know? And, and I think it's time for the church to do a, a serious, um, a serious uh, internal investigation of its of its you know morals and and its guiding factors and what it what it holds to be truth and and what are the things that we really ought to be about and I don't know how to go about doing that I mean I'll be honest with you I got some some hints and some ideas but I don't think there's one set way that anybody can do that or any church can do that I think the church needs to be very seriously self-reflective Exactly. Well, there is no one way, but I mean, right. self-examination is, a, you know, in our Wesleyan tradition, that is a, an important part of who we are. Right. And somewhere in the church, we just decided, you know, we can, we can kind of do away with that. As long as you're showing up, you know, we, yeah. we had the facade that our churches were full, we were okay. Right. But, and then we sort of forgot those things that were important. Go ahead, Wade. Well, I just, uh, you know, a couple of things. Um, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird, um, which is entirely possible. Uh, um, we can stop the show you. right there because <laughs> but, <laughs> we love you anyway. I mean, <laughs> as pastors, I mean, you know, as pastors, has anybody not stopped at some point multiple times during all of this and said, am I doing what I'm, I mean, is yep. this really, is this really the best way for me to, to be involved in, in the kingdom um, daily? multiple um, times daily and, and you know and, and I, you know i don't know the answer to that i still don't know the answer to that I, you know I, I, what i know to do is to do what's in front of me you know today and to keep these things in mind but um you know brad you talked about doing a sort of a serious investigation and i and i just you know i, I wonder if we're capable of that sometimes mm. um well and and while we know that there's no one right way we do know that there are lots of wrong ways, mm -hmm. okay? Saying um, uh, cliche, cultural, stupid, uh, which people think is clever for some reason, mm -hmm. slogan in a worship service that mm -hmm. is designed to denigrate someone else is definitely the wrong yeah. way. When be, I yeah. when I saw that, Excellent. I was hoping I was like, you guys should have just gone ahead and said what you're actually saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because just, it's not clever at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, we all know. Just yeah. go ahead and say it. It it will it will reveal. But that wouldn't be right, more. Wade. It, that it wouldn't would be right. Reveal even more about you than um, I mean, at least that would be honest. Yeah. More yeah. Honest. Well, I think I think I go back to Wesley's general rules. Number one, do no harm. For crying out loud, do no harm. You know. Um, he should have had a fourth. It, it, yeah. Don't be stupid. 
Yeah, don't be stupid, you know. S T O O P I D. Stupid. I want to believe that. I want to believe that's in the quadrilateral somewhere. <laughs> it probably is, right? It's the fifth side of the quadrilateral. Anyway, um, no, there's, you know, but there, that, that whole idea of a church saying something like that is stupid. I mean, it it does no good whatsoever. It it adds nothing to the conversation. It it adds no. Uh, there's not even a starting point where you can get at least two or more sides together to even begin to converse. And I think that's the self-reflective part that I think the church is, has put aside for way too long is that we haven't, we, we've been so intent upon trying to, to stake our ground that we've forgotten that, you know, we're across the table from one another. What does that mean? At least we're at the table. Let's be at the table and let's be gracious about it. Do no Amen. harm. We don't need to attack one another. We need to stop that. We need to start, stop saying us and them and start talking about we together as, as the body of Christ. And I mean, I don't think a, we know how to do that as much, as well as we used to once upon a time, or if we ever really knew, but I think that's the first thing. And I think, you know, doing good is going out of your way, sacrificing for your uh, yourself for the other in in such a way that you let them know that this is because of who i understand jesus to be right um and and that's and that all comes from the third one you know staying in love with the ordinances of god keeping to the the uh, the ordinances of, of worship and god and, yeah. and study so so wade you had something after that i'm going to finish up uh, just for the sake of time go ahead bro i don't know if it's great or not but um you know I, when i hear the when I hear the church and, and it, it, regardless of whether you accept this or not, um, when you see a church in San Antonio doing that kind of thing, it reflects on your church, it reflects on Christians. And so, so, and what I heard in that wasn't, um, for me, it wasn't political. It was, you know, we know what um, let's go Brandon means. It means F somebody, right? And, and I don't care who it is. I, I, I mean, on such a, a fundamental foundational level, I don't care who it is. It can be Hitler. We don't say F anybody in the church. We just, we don't, that is it's so incomprehensible to me. And it's discouraging, um, you know, that somebody thinks that that's okay. And and, and you know, I'm not sure that um, the, that video going around is gonna um, isn't gonna foment some more of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that becomes the sort of standard again. Right? <laughs> Somebody else did it first, and now we have permission. Yeah, I think we're all, all right. called to a higher calling. Thank and, you for that. Amen to that. And it's disturbing when we when we you know thumb our nose at that. And, and, and that's a really overt um, thing that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder, though, um, how are we doing that in, in my church? Yeah, exactly. In a more subtle way. Yeah. In a yeah more... and, and maybe not even so subtle, but, mm -hmm. uh, but we just have blinders on. Right. Uh, about the, and, and I can, I could tell you several stories and just off the top of my head and I won't, but um, uh yeah, the general rules are, um, I don't, I don't think they've ever been more, uh, important as sort of a, 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 a compass yeah. for where particularly in the current environment, 
however you want to define that. Um, the, the church has to lead the way. <laughs> That's the point, yes, right? The church has to lead the way. So uh, let's finish off here. The last few minutes we have and get your reflections. He offers three things to do with the people who are left here, the people who did come back, right? We're talking about people who didn't come back and for whatever reasons, da 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 da, da. But uh, three things to do with the people who are here. One, focus on the people who stayed. Don't focus on the people who left, okay? Mm -hmm. Number two, turn your remaining attendees into engagers. And number three, embrace your new church. Now, there's a lot about that I love because I keep it right here. It's under the little glass thing I have on my desk, a note card. And I don't know where I read it, but uh, someone said, the early Wesleyans were more concerned about how to send people out rather than how to seduce them in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is something I sort of try to live by in my ministry. That's my task as pastor of this church is mm -hmm. to prepare people to live out the gospel together wherever God may send them every day. Uh, so let me get to your last impressions over those three things, uh, th th three things to do with uh, the church that's left. Are, are those good things? Um, or is it missing something? Let me hear what you have to say. I, I liked the idea, but I didn't like his second recommendation because it seemed arrogant and condescending. Okay. You assume that the people that returned are only attenders. Okay, like, yeah. It seems to go against what he said in the rest of the article and probably against what's actually happening. Assume that they're engagers and maybe are tired and, and attend to that group by listening, by encouraging, by recognizing where they have continued to do the work of the kingdom, even under these circumstances. So overall, I liked his recommendations, but I thought maybe he missed the mark on the second one. I don't know. I, I saw the second one a little differently. I've had folks come to church for the first time mm. after we've opened and they are not engagers yet. They're just testing the waters and trying to figure out what this thing is all about. And, and maybe it is because they're searching because this pandemic has thrown a, you know, uh, thrown them for a loop in the, in the midst of who they are. And should there be something deeper I ought to be doing, maybe something more spiritual. And this is what's going on. I've had, you know, quite a few folks come to the church that way. And um, I've got some young folks in our church, which is remarkable. I love seeing young folks coming in. I've got some 20 somethings that are that are hungry for something, but they aren't sure yet what, and they keep coming back, which means that they're getting something here, but what would it take to move them to the next step to go a little bit deeper to be invested? So um, I think, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Tina, and I agree with you that, yeah, it kind of undershoots the mark for those folks who are, who are tired. Uh, and I've got a lot of folks who are tired. And um, one of the things that I've been trying to figure out and I haven't gotten a solution yet for that is, is, okay, so how do we honor those folks who have, who have been here and worked hard and have, you know, who are, who, who are tired of being resilient, but know that this is the only thing that's keeping us going. Um, and how do we honor their gift of, of sacrifice and remind them again, that it's the grace of God, not their hard work. Amen. that keeps the church here and so how do we love right. on them in such a way that's i think that's his first point um is really focus on those folks and minister to them and love them and serve them but um i, I think there are some folks that we can begin to look at and say okay you're on the, you you've just come in the door 
How can we get you into a small group? How can we begin to nurture your faith with some one-on-one -on -one stuff with some, some people in the church in a smaller, you know, arena than just the sanctuary? Um, and, uh, I, you know, his third one was the one that I was kind of like, um, maybe that's what we all are missing here is, you know, we have a new shot. We have a new shot of being Christians in this post-pandemic world. You know, he calls it post-Christian, but I think there's a post-pandemic you know, um, era that we were entering into that's a lot different than any post era that we've had before. Um, and how do we, how are we going to deal with that for the next, you know, a hundred years till the next pandemic or whatever, you know? Oh, to so the next time the government tries to put a chip in our, is that what you're saying? Is I wasn't it? going there, but okay. <laughs> uh, wait, let me give you the last word on, on those things, bro. Um, I think to Tina's point um, on that second, um, the second suggestion from him, you know, some of these people that are coming back and some of these people that are coming for the first time, um, and then moreover, the people who aren't coming back or who, who never were here, um, I think, and me, I'm tired. Um, and, um, and, you know, all the thanks in the world, you know, thank you for doing what you do. It's great, but it doesn't change. Um, the fact that I'm tired and the, and the stuff that we've discussed today and the stuff that he's talking about, it's in the back of my brain consciously and unconsciously a hundred percent of the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think. I think, um, you know, my job is to sort of be the, I guess, to be the, the positive um, shepherd in all of this. And, and I'm, you know, we become really good at putting on that brave face, um, but I'm tired. Mm. I'm really tired. And, uh, and, and I, so I'm trained in taking care of myself. And I think I do a pretty good job, but there are so many people out there who've got to be just as tired as we are to have no clue how to get through this. Amen. Amen. And, and that's, you know, that's, I, I don't need you to tell me um, about what I'm wearing in worship and, uh, and, you know, uh, the things that we hear um, when, you know, there are people in the room and out of the room who are suffering and, uh, and we're more interested in, and how things look on the outside of our worship. Um, those are just some of the things that are running around my head. This is a chance for us to um, solidify what we understand the church to be. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the church growth talk before always talked about the three D's that bring people to church. Y'all mm -hmm. know those? death, divorce, and disaster, right? Mm -hmm. um, can we just call the pandemic a disaster, <laughs> right? And so in one level, we're like, wait a minute, they're not coming back. Okay, those people aren't coming back, but somebody is going to come. Exactly what you guys are talking about. Somebody is going to feel like they need that sense of community. Somebody is going to realize they've been looking around and they've been chasing after the wind and they need something else. And that's mm -hmm. part of where the church says, well, let me tell you this good news about what life is really like, right? The abundant life. 
But if we're too focused on Wade, some of the things you're talking about, or some of the things we mentioned before, we're so we, we prioritize all these other things that don't help people see and live into that abundant life of Christ, then we're, we're just, we're going to be in the same place we were before or worse. But this is a chance uh, that God has given us. And I don't mean that God sent the pandemic on us in that way. I don't, I don't mean it that way, but that this is a chance for us to say, all right, God, we are, <laughs> what choice do we have to trust, but to trust you right now? Right? We're going to well, keep think- doing things our ways. We're going to get what we Go ahead, Brad, and we'll finish off. There's uh, last word. Uh, yeah, well, my last word, not not the last. <laughs> word. Um, That's three words right there. <laughs> Isaiah 40. Come on. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says the Lord. If there's ever a message that we need to hear from no. the church, we need God's comfort. Amen. And I think that's a big, a big focal point for us to begin considering. How can we begin to present that? To the people, those who are coming here for the first time hunting for something because this ain't working, their life in the past is not working, or those folks who have been here all along who are tired, those folks who are on the fringes but needing somebody, those folks who are at home, uh, Tina, like you said, who are you know, looking for connection in any way, shape, or form, I think we all need comfort, the comfort mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, the comfort of God. And maybe that's the message the church should pick up and run with now. Amen to that. Thank you, brother. So, that's how- you know, for context, um, and I've been using this when I talk to people, uh, the Great Depression um, lasted 43 months. And mm-hmm. we're 20-something months into this with no wow. insight. And I, I really, when you think about the people who grew up in the Great Depression and their context for just about everything, um, always flows back to that. I think that's the sort of disaster mm-hmm. uh, that we're in the midst of and, uh, um, and coming out. I mean, the pandemic's never going to be over for this generation. It's right. never going to be over. Yeah. We're not going back to what we were. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. The people that won't have pandemic as the normal in their lives are infants are not born yet. Right. That's great. So. Yeah. Tina, they were supposed to give last words. They gave like 12 last words. Let me give you the last word and then I'll get out of here. (laughs) The only last word I have is that what you're saying, John, about God being the founder and foundation of who we are and what we do has got to be the hope that we cling to and offer to others. Amen to that. Amen. And because of that, I will celebrate my birthday this week and I will not worry about dying on my birthday. <laughs> better um, not. <laughs> better not. But I'll just say I've had enough of this podcast. I'm out of here. All right. Tina, All right. thank you so much for joining us. It's always a treat to be able to hear from you and to visit with you. I always appreciate your insight, Brad and Wade. We appreciate you guys as well. And thank you for listening, tuning in, however you pay attention to our Almost Perfect podcast. Uh, thank you. It's almost going to be episode 50, which is kind of, you know, it's kind of low when you compare it to other, but oh my gosh, we've been doing this 50 times. No wonder these guys don't like me, right? So uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in. You're a part of that. Uh, Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about to find some kind of Christ-like response to until we get together next week. Have a great rest of the week and God be with you. Peace, y'all.